What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve, Gigi, and Dr. Wes Hendricks, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as all sorts of terrible health misinformation. Today, we have a good friend, coach, multi-talented man, Brad, with us. Say hello, Brad. Hello. <laughs> so, um, Brad, tell us a little bit about what you do first and just kind of give us an idea of, you know, who you are and, and yeah, what you do. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I am a private endurance coach. I work primarily with triathletes, but also uh, runners, cyclists, and uh, some swimmers. Although there's a, another great local guy you might want to have on this podcast. Yeah, we are for sure. He's talking about Lance. Lance is amazing. We will definitely have him. He's got some cool stories that you told me about with the. Or you told me to the English Channel or something. Yeah. 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 So, you know, people hire me typically because they've chosen to take on some athletic challenge, and they view it somewhat to be beyond them. In some in some way, whether it's physically or mentally, or in some cases emotionally, yeah, these things kind of tie into this whole holistic view of health, yeah, and and life. Um, and we start building a plan around how we're going to get there. Uh, always focused on where they are at that moment. Can't be anywhere other than where you are. Right. right. So, I like what you just said. <laughs> just now, you said like they they kind of hire you or or partner with you, however you want to say it, right? You know, get you as a coach um, for something that they feel like is beyond them. And that's really, I've, I've never really heard it in that kind of top context. Tell me like, I mean, have you ever heard that before? Or something? No. Like, I've never just thought, like, I really like that. It's like, yeah, why did you hire a coach? It's, like, a, different, hire, it's a different perspective. It's a completely different perspective. to reach a goal. And- right. Like, I think I just want to get stronger, right? It's yeah. like all about like me, me, me. This is more of like, hey, this is something I can't handle on my own. Yeah. And like, I don't think I can do it. And now like, I'm going to get somebody who's going to get me to kind of push past my, like, I've just like never coaching is more than just like, here's the program, do it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. way more. Cause you have a person that you're giving that program to and every person's different. Yeah. So for, to address it or take it on as that perspective, I think is a, an interesting, but also like a correct point of view or a really great way to think about it. That's, that's interesting. So for you, so let's, let's go further on that. So for you, when you coach somebody, you probably have like multiple pillars like that you're mm-hmm. building that program on, right? So mm-hmm. one would be the actual program itself. One would be kind of overall health coaching. Like what are some of the things that you kind of focus on when you get an athlete in to see you, right? And they're ready to tackle this next goal, something they don't they don't think they can do on their own. What do you what do you tend to focus on? Well, I, I think the easiest easiest example that I can draw upon is when someone decides to do their first full Ironman. Right. The race itself is somewhat um, daunting. Right. Um, And the training to get there is is long. It's long in months. Yeah. In weeks and in days. So, you know, someone will come and say, okay, I've I've 
decides to do this Ironman, you need to train me to finish this Ironman. It's like, okay, that, that's great. I have a lot of Ironman training plans, but it's like you were just saying, who are you? Where are you at right now? Right. What else do you have going on in your life? Because so much of what my job ultimately ends up becoming is maximizing people's hours that they have available to achieve this goal. Right. And so when I was saying earlier, it's beyond them. Sometimes, you know, just that, that 140.6 seems beyond our ability. And oftentimes it is at that moment. We've never done it before. We've never trained for it. Um, 140.6, 140.6 miles. Okay. Yeah. So I've never like, is that uh, what an Ironman is? Yeah. Like yeah. I've heard 26.2. I've never heard 140. I don't know. The I don't like driving in a car for 140 miles. <laughs> yeah. That's just unbelievable. So sorry. Yeah. We, we go on <laughs> tangents all the that's time. All right. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what does that mean? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, you know, what do you do for a living? How much time does that take? Do you have a significant other? Is it a girlfriend, a spouse, boyfriend, husband? Do you have kids? Yeah. What ages are they? Where are you at in life? Right? Why do you want to do this? And what ultimately is your goal? Mm -hmm. The and, why. The why is such a big thing. I feel like most people do not focus on whatsoever. As opposed yeah. to like, you know, I think we were talking to a trainer the other day, and the other guy was, um, he was saying, he was trying to do a bunch of fancy stuff. And then she was basically, I just want to have a, um, you know, forgive my French, but like want to have a nice ass. Like that's the one thing that she wanted. Like what's, a wise can be so many different kinds of things, right? So it's like, you know, finding out what somebody's why is, and then it may not sometimes be what's face value, right? It may, they may say one thing, but once you dig, I'm sure you know this, once you yeah. dig in deeper layers, it's something, something a little bit different than, yeah. you know, something that's superficial. Well, they might not even know why yeah. they want to do it at that moment. And that might become evident mm -hmm. through the process. Mm -hmm. Just an indirect question, really. I'm not asking why do you want to do this up front? Um, typically yeah. people often offer that information to you, but <clears throat> you know, it's okay, well let's, let's work through this and really figure out what motivates you and drives you and how can we incorporate that into your training? What can we learn from how you behave in other areas of your life that may help us structure a mental fitness plan around this, this challenge that you're taking on as well? Because it's not just physical. Yeah, you've got to be able to get through 2.4 miles of swimming, 112 miles on the bike, and then 26.2, that number you just mentioned, mm -hmm. on the run. Yeah. You have to be physically able to do that. There's a tremendous amount of mental focus and mental fitness that goes into not only the race, but the training leading up to the race. Yeah. This might be a loaded question and, you know, answered at, at, at your own, you know, will, but what would be the one thing that people could focus on or do to focus on the mental aspect of things? Just like one thing that you kind of notice a lot with your athletes, like, Hey, I need you to do, it could be meditation. It could be just like getting perspective, reading, whatever. Right. Is there something that you would focus on? You see a lot of your athletes. Yeah. I have to refer to it as just becoming more self-aware, but really, if you look at it, it's, it's mindful awareness, right? Generating or developing the ability to really be present in the moment and connect with your body, right? And it ties in with other aspects of the training program. You know, I'm big on education, increased self-awareness, and that's what's going to maximize your performance. Why are you doing this? 
having an understanding for why the training is structured the way it is. Why am I giving you this workout, particularly as an individual, so you can really connect when you're doing it. This is why I'm doing it. This is why I'm pushing myself today. This is why I'm not pushing myself today as well. Mm -hmm. Recovery is huge from a physical perspective. I thought that's, I was, I was predetermining what you're going to ask me. I was ask me from a physical perspective. I'm going to say recover. Most yeah. Likely, so recovery <laughs> yeah. Recovery. That's been a theme mostly. Like most people say, well, how much are you working out? We have one guy's a power lifter and he works all the time, but he was took, he took like two, was it two or three full rest days a yeah. week? You know what I mean? And he's putting up high numbers. So yeah, recovery is definitely um, super important. I love the mindfulness. Like again, last week, I feel like one of the biggest themes when we're trying to really delve into what's healthy and what's important it seems to be a continuing theme we've had almost everybody is this like is the mindfulness aspect like we had mindful movement yes. with carl right mm-hmm. and now you have this mindful like being present in the moment which i think for me personally all about you guys is one of the hardest things for me to achieve because i'm so future-based i'm so like mm-hmm. next next maybe next oh and do this oh i can't do that i get really excited about it. it gives me energy but like being able to peel back that layer just saying man Right now, I'm with two great guys just doing a podcast, and I'm having a lot of fun. Just going to be present in this moment. I think that's really hard hard mm-hmm. to do for a lot of people. I'm sure hard, getting them to train and do that at the same time. I bet you have some cool transformations that happen, though. Oh, yeah. People learn incredible things about themselves when they take on these events. And it honestly, it doesn't have to be an Ironman. Right? It could be a sprint triathlon. It could be a 10K. Right? It's that whole when I use that language beyond, right? Mm-hmm. It's just beyond someone's vision at the moment. They can't envision themselves doing it. And how am I going to get there? Yeah. Right? It's not that it's beyond them physically or, or their ability to, mm-hmm. to accomplish the goal, but they just can't envision how they're going to do it. They don't have a, a path. Right. So we're going to create that path together. And every path is different because everybody's starting from, where they are as an individual has their own physical, mental strengths that we need to tap into. So there's always, you know, there's always this process in the beginning of just getting to know each other. Right. Yeah. I love that. Um, as a coach, I feel like some of the other themes we've been talking about is like a coach that really delves into that stuff is going to be a coach that you want, right. As opposed to one who's just focused on the structure and the physical side, you want somebody for these high performing people, which were kind of people that we're talking about and the yeah. people that, you know, um, uh, that we have on the podcast, it's again, seems to be that kind of thing. Can you give me like, is there one transformational story that sticks out to you that like, you know, um, you've been a coach for a while and we're going to dig into your history and why you did that next. So because they're thinking about that, but is there one, um, you know, just be like a quick, if not, that's fine too. I'm just curious if there's one that sticks out, you know, no names, mm-hmm. um, some kind of, you know, transformation that happened during or something that they realized or. It's tough to pick out just one. I have been doing this for a while. A lot of it's been connected with uh, supporting different charity organizations. So now you're talking about a whole different level of, of involvement and Mm -hmm. commitment and motivation, inspiration. Uh, so, you know, every, every time you do something like that, there are just multiple trans- mm-hmm. transformative, um, stories. Yeah. Oftentimes in those cases, right, people aren't doing it because of the physical challenge or because of the race. They're doing it because of another cause. Yeah. Something's and, important to them. Like yeah. if they do it for breast cancer because their mother mm-hmm. did or right in there, that's usually what spurns something like that mm-hmm. on. And then, mm-hmm. um, it's like the typical 
hero story, right? So yeah. like, um, uh, they want to do this challenge and they want to do it for these external reasons. But while they're doing it for these external reasons, they go through this huge internal transformation as well. It's like very much a plot line of, of most movies. It's not just about the external, but the internal transformation that happens. You know, they learn about themselves and they come out the other side and like, oh my God, I can't believe. Yeah. Those situations can be so powerful when you allow space for people to connect with everything that they're doing. It's just, I'm doing this because I want to raise money for so-and-so or right in, in remembrance in some cases or in honor of a current patient. And, and you just remind them and allow them to create space for themselves as well to recognize not only what they're doing for others, but this amazing challenge that they've taken on for themselves and allow opportunities to recognize the success within themselves, not just within what's going on with this greater cause or this other organization yeah. that you're supporting. And the, the stories that come out of there are just, are, are, are amazing. Um, what about, so how did you get to this point? Like, you know, obviously a loaded question, but like, how did you become an endurance coach? Like, were you an athlete first? Like, can you give us a little like preface? Did you always want to be like, did you just come out the womb and say, I can't wait to run, you know, uh, Ironman? 140.2 or six. Six. I'm not going to forget that number. Oh my God. <laughs> and we're not even talking ultra, ultra. I know. Oh, no, we can't. Yeah. I can't handle so. that. Oh, yeah. Uh, freak out. So yeah, I, I was always athletic played sports, um, played three varsity sports in high school. Uh, when it came time to college, my parents made it pretty clear that there was no way I was going to do anything other than focus on my studies or they weren't going to send me to college. Okay, <laughs> they, were yeah. gonna, they were going to pay for it. And that wasn't, uh, so, um, I got my degree in biochemistry, um, and, uh, then took some time off after school, uh, a lot of lab hours associated with that degree. And, I uh, worked at a different type of lab. I was a bartender for <laughs> about a year. Two different kinds of labs. <laughs> different kind of magic happened. Like exactly. Uh, and then uh, worked in biotech for nine years, but I always stayed active. Uh, played sports, played in adult soccer leagues, adult mm-hmm. basketball leagues. Um, <clears throat> I got a little bit into running, but it wasn't until um, I was diagnosed with a late-stage cancer at 27 that um, I went from you know, being almost 200 pounds, not all of it was 200 pounds of pure health. I was living in San Diego and had a home office and tacos, enjoy a lot of tacos (laughs) Um, (laughs) and maybe some tequila too. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, I was also into lifting at that point. Pretty, pretty focused on like, I need to see pictures muscles. of that. I cannot picture that at all. <laughs> you at 200 pounds. Well, that, I mean, that's part of it. You know, I went through this process of a very late stage cancer diagnosis and ended up as a clinical patient at Dana-Farber up in Boston. And uh, my, you know, my original diagnosis freaked my family out um, because there was no protocol for it at that point. And even my doctors in San Diego um, told me there was no protocol. What was the diagnosis? I'm sure people, if you're okay, it was it was a head and neck cancer uh, called nasal pharyngeal squamous cell carcinoma. So this guy, Dr. Marshall Posner up in Dana Farber, was writing a protocol on how to treat this. So I became a clinical patient at Dana Farber, 
patient zero. I think I think that at one point someone told me there's a 300 percent increase in that diagnosis in the United States that year. It went from one to three. Oh, so gotcha. yeah, that sounds like a big jump. Yeah, looking like that. So um, you know, this was when Lance was still cool. Uh, not Lance over in the swim coach, but Lance yeah. Armstrong. Yep. So I must have gotten about I don't know five or six copies of the book. So I read it, and yeah, that started me thinking a bit. But I came out the other end. I mean, at one point, I was—I think the the lightest I weighed was like 137 during that time. And then I came out the other end and had an opportunity to sort of rebuild myself, I was sort of starting from scratch. Yeah. And uh, had a new lease on life. Yeah. yeah. But the the diagnosis was so intense. And I was misdiagnosed and sort of dismissed by doctor. I was 27. I was healthy. And, and I was just, you know, now you're just having some headaches, you know? Right. So by the time I was actually diagnosed, I was really far along. Yeah. Hence late stage diagnosis, yeah. right? And, and I was in a bad way. And uh, so then the, the uh, treatment was so, started so quickly and it was so intense that there was really very little time to think about it, right? When, when they finally told me I had cancer, I was like, all right, great. <laughs> right. Someone's telling me what's wrong with me. Now, what do we do about it? And um, <clears throat> anyway, I came out the other side, and you know, one day they're like, "Okay, we're going to take the stomach tube out, and you know, we'll see you in a month." And it's like, "Wait a second, what? Like, what do I do for the next month? And we'll see you in three months. Wait, what? What do I? <laughs> stomach tube being for the for chemo or what? I had chemo and radiation. Okay. I had chemo, chemo, radiation, and radiation. So it was to my throat and my well, it was to my head and my neck. So I. That seems intense. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Yeah. So uh, that's when I started to struggle. I was like, wait, what? All right, so what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> and what does this mean for me going forward? And I happened to find a, a support group that was just centered around, you know, anyone could go to it, whether you're a patient, a former patient, a family member, a friend of someone who had cancer. And I met a woman there, um, Marsha Cook, who was – diagnosed with a form of cancer. I won't go into details, um, but <clears throat> she was actually waiting for the disease to get so bad that they could actually treat it because she was so early on, they knew that it was there, <clears throat> but it wasn't developed enough that any type of traditional medicines would work on it. So she knew she had cancer and she was watching and waiting until it got bad enough that she could start a treatment protocol. And we, we kind of connected on this watching and waiting Sure. Platform. Mm -hmm. And she told me that she and her husband found one thing that when they did it together, um, she didn't have cancer and like it couldn't touch her, didn't touch them, didn't touch their relationship. I forgot to mention, I, I asked my now wife to marry me about three weeks before the symptoms started for so this was our engagement period was going through all this cancer stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty intense. On Did you have a diagnosis before you got married or afterwards? Yeah, so we ended up postponing a year. Okay. Well, postponing it definitely at the sure. beginning. But, yeah. um, <clears throat> Just a year, though. You're still yeah. here, obviously. Yeah. So I, uh, I kind of always wanted to do a triathlon and uh, talking to her. And then I heard about team and training. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do a triathlon and I'm going to do it in honor of, of Marsha and give back to, to the cause, so to speak. Um, and, uh, I just fell in love with it. 
So <clears> my first full on like the first. It was, was an Olympic one? distance triathlon. Okay. And how far? <clears> is so that? we got so an Olympic distance triathlon is. Um, uh, 1900 meters, 1.2 mile swim, uh, 40k on the bike, which is 24, 25 miles, almost 25 miles, and a 10k run. Okay. So I did that up in San Francisco, and that was in November. My wife and I got married in August, and I had just started this pro training program two months before that. My wife bought me a triathlon bike for 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 my wedding gift, because she was like, "This is it." She's like, "This is your thing." Nice. You're gonna do this. You found your thing. Yeah. yeah. So very quickly, I mean, I had done some coaching earlier in my life, but very quickly I was like, I, I think this is my thing. And, and, you know, I think I want to you know, support uh, the causes. And so much was happening, not just with team and training, but other charitable organizations. And I yeah. get into to coaching and, and mentoring people that want to do these types of, of activities and raise money for, you know, things that are beyond themselves mm -hmm. in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> Greater sure. than themselves. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, my training and my coaching started to parallel quite a bit. Now I went back to work in the biotech sector for a couple more years. And then my wife, who's actually, she was born in Montreal. Um, we decided we, we moved to Quebec from North Augusta, South Carolina up to, uh, the Montreal area. That's not a culture shock, I bet, at all. No, not at all. And um, <clears throat> we started a company up there, and uh, training started to take a back seat, coaching started to take a back seat. But as that company started to develop and I started to separate myself a bit from it, um, I started getting back into my training, and I met, to, met a coach up there in Montreal who started working with me as an athlete. And very quickly, the conversation came back to coaching. You need to get back into coaching, and you need to, right? Really, you back in, in on right? A more serious base. I had continued to coach uh, runners and triathletes and some cyclists here and there, um, but really on the side um, with these other things that were happening. So, um, <clears throat> so that's when I really was like, okay, this is this is going to be your full time be, gig. Yeah, quite full time gig. I've been doing it for a while, but let's focus on it. And then when we moved back to the states, when we came, decided to come to Charleston, it was like, okay, well now this is. This is the next phase. Why Charleston? We had a checklist of places. <laughs> this one just, and, well, yeah, we're on everybody's <laughs> checklist, right? I'm sure. Right? Um, yeah. Oh, well, you know, having lived in South Carolina before um, Montreal, we knew we liked it here. I mm -hmm. uh, felt very comfortable here. There was certainly a returning home aspect to it. Right. And then when you check off the ocean on that checklist, which was big for me. Yep. Um, open swims. Like, yeah, we like to do open swims. Yeah. I like so. to freak out in open swim. She thinks a shark is going to come just find her and get her, which is probably not going to happen. That's, that's a story for a probably. different day. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's how I got into coaching. Um, so I started coaching in 2004. Okay. Um, and then I've been doing it, Pretty much full time for the last uh, oh, six or seven years. That's awesome. So it's been fourteen years. Yeah, that's pretty long time. Right? <laughs> yeah. You don't see, you don't think, you don't see, foresee yourself doing anything different, right? Like this is kind of like this is it. Yeah, I, I do have some visions around coaching, sure. extending it but beyond I mean, I'm saying the sport that, yeah. into life performance and things like that. Yeah, like we've had some conversations yeah, about that. Some conversations, overall yeah. health. Uh, I had an opportunity to be a part of another organization that's starting here in Charleston, and they 
uh, sent me up to Duke University for the integrative health coaching mm -hmm. training that they have up there, which was which was really cool. And just looking at how we can take sport and what we do around sport, what we learn about ourselves when we take on these challenges and train for them, um, and and how that might be applied to everybody. A, a greater vision of health <laughs> beyond right just getting stronger, as you mentioned, or not getting sick. That's a lot of people's definition of health. Well, I'm not sick. I must be healthy. <laughs> but what about the ability to do what you want to do in life? Right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a perfect segue into the question we ask everybody. And so what would be your definition of health, your definition of a healthy person? Like if you had to pick me, like, I want to pick the, you know, Webster's dictionary says health, like what, what's Brad's version of that answer? So this would tie in with my philosophy as a coach in general. Perfect. <clears throat> is that that's going to be different for everybody, right? So what is your optimal vision of health? I have my opti optimal vision of health for myself, and it involves a lot of things. It involves my training. It involves not being sick, right? Coming right. out of cancer, that was yeah. a big one. Sure. <laughs> um, but it also involves my relationships. It involves my personal uh, development, my professional growth, all of those things being aligned and in sync and uh it's good being yeah. surrounded by love i mean yeah. that's a huge part of it as well sure sure um, um you know there's pain free and you know mobility and and you know there's certainly a physical aspect to health but it goes so much farther than that yeah i love that you answered my question with a question it's like what's your definition of health but that's <laughs> that's really true it's like every that's kind of the point. Everybody's is different. Yeah. Every person who listens to this definition is probably going to be different. And like, it's probably like the best answer yet because it's like, it's going to be individualist to everybody. So the definition of health is whatever your definition of, now you're just talking about like a, you know what I mean? Like you're going all uh, inception on myself, but you know what I mean? <laughs> um, no, I just love that. Cause it's, it's definitely um, kind of N equals one. And like, what do you value and what's your, mm -hmm you know, what is your definition and then go after that specifically. Sure. And I, and obviously that's what we do at made to move too, is like we focus instead of focusing on rehabilitation or getting people out of pain. I know this is what Wes does too. We focus cause it's so much for me anyway, it's so much easier to focus on performance and like accomplishing things and like taking it to the next level than it is to like getting people out of pain. It seems like a, you know, I'm just running on a hamster wheel and I'm doing that. But when I'm focusing on human performance, I'm mm -hmm. focusing on quality of life. I'm focusing on individuals and their definition of health. I feel like everything else can be taken care of. You know, that's kind of how we connect the two. We kind of have similar philosophies in that. Um, you know, is that something, is that like when you see a patient, that's probably what Wes, what you yeah, focus on. I kind of on. want them thriving, not surviving. Surviving is just not out of pain, but thriving, like, oh, deadlift and squatting, you know, oh, you just PR'd your whatever, you know what I right. mean? Whatever they want to excel at or work at. Um, so yeah, that's where healthcare, I feel like is gone, right? We, you said it kind of alluded to it. It's sick care, not healthcare anymore. Like let's focus on being healthy. And what does that mean? Nobody's really, it's funny that like, we started this podcast. There's probably more out there, but like nobody's focusing on that. I feel like nobody's really focusing on like what it means to be healthy and how to drive health. Mm -hmm. Like, do you like with integrative health stuff? I think that's starting to go that direction, but you kind of feel the same way? Yeah. It's like not a lot of people are focusing on that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, more and more, uh, you know, it's, it's getting more attention, integrative health and integrative medicine in general. What does that but, mean? So there's a lot of people, I 
kind of remember, like, don't really know what integrative medicine kind of means. Like, what is that? So, well, if you take traditional Western medicine and it's, okay, you're sick, we're going to treat you, we're going to get you back to where you were before you got sick. Back to baseline. We were just talking about that. Yeah, but yeah exactly. I got sick. Right. Same thing <laughs> yeah. if someone gets in, okay, you got a sprained ankle, we're going to do this, we're going to rehab you, get you right back to where you were before yeah. you sprained your ankle. Yeah, PT, it's within <clears throat> normal limits. We're just going to get you yeah. so you can literally just walk out the door. Like, mm -hmm. like Go ahead, sorry. But is that back. health? I absolutely not. In my opinion. <laughs> All right, there yeah. we go. So integrative medicine and integrative health, it, it takes into account all the factors in your life, right? So yeah, there's you and there's, there's your not being sick. There's not being in pain. There's the ability to move and all of those things. But how does that interact with some of the things I mentioned before? Your, your professional career, your personal development, your relationships, um, professional, personal, um, <clears throat> your, uh, your rest, your, your, um, your mental state, uh, how do we, how do we tie all these things together into, uh, something that could actually help you achieve your vision of optimal health? If we asked you to create a vision of optimal health, uh, for three years from now, what would that look like? Right. Right. Would your answer be, uh, not being sick or would it be, I want to be here with these people, you know, feeling this way, able to do these things. It's going to okay, be more like that. For yeah. sure. For now we're going to start talking about uh, how we're integrating all these things in your life together to move you forward. Yeah. I think that's really that goal. Yeah. That's really powerful stuff because again, be dead horse, but like nobody, I feel like literally nobody is focusing on that. Like nobody has this conversation. You go see your doctor I think the average time that you spend with your doctor is five minutes. Can you get into even a sliver of any of the stuff that you talked about? And now we're realizing that all the stuff that you just talked about is such a bigger chunk of creating a person who's even just not sick than we even thought about, right? Because we're just running this game of like, hey, you're, you're, you got sick, you're back to baseline, you got sick, you're back to baseline. Like, yeah, that might be... I won't go into profit stuff, but it might be profitable for some people, but that's not necessarily driving health and driving wellness or drive. You know what I mean? And so you're sure you're right. It's definitely changing, but we're still kind of a really, I still, still think we're really far away from all that stuff. I introduce you to a guy that's pretty focused on that stuff right now. Yeah. And Brian. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have him on, I think too, which would be really, really cool. Yeah. And, and yeah. talk about the project that he's involved in. Yeah. That was a, that was an, an amazing opportunity to be associated with them, but that's another topic. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just cool. Now people are focusing on, now we realize that there's, you know, doctors and obviously the Western medicine system, mm -hmm. would you say it saved your life? Yeah, absolutely. Right. right? Yeah. So you obviously love that system, but at the same time, debunking might not be the right word, but you're kind of doing something a little bit different than traditional Western medicine, despite having that huge breakthrough. So there's a time and place for it, I guess is what I'm saying, because I don't want to like bash yeah. it, but at the same time, like it's, it's this huge void is there. And right. like we hopefully together, the three of us can fill that void. How do we integrate that traditional medicine with the other aspects of, of life and health? And all right, now you start to talk about really moving people beyond baseline, beyond yeah. their normal averages. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. When I was being treated, I, I just happened in college to take a course and 
a psychology course. And at the end of each course, he would have us meditate for 30 minutes at the end of the course. Minutes. Wow. Yeah. I can barely make yeah. it 10 without well, freaking out. So there are a lot of different, different definitions of meditation and mindful yeah, practice yeah. and form, yeah. formal mindful practice. So really what it was, was we were sitting quietly in the room. It was a two and a half hour course once, once or twice a week, maybe. But you weren't allowed to do so, anything. It didn't work during no, half hour. we had to be quiet. We had to be, and, and it was just about free thought, just allowing our mind and not connecting with our thoughts and just sitting there and not falling asleep, which was a challenge for a lot of people. <laughs> How many people actually got into that? I feel like that'd be. I, I don't know. I mean, it was a huge, like auditorium style course. And um, <clears throat> most people think that would be really awkward. You know what I mean? Like, I love that, but most people be like, oh, what? You're just going to sit there for 30 minutes in a sta- you know, stage full of people or a stadium, whatever. You know? when, I was, uh, when I was at my, some of my lowest points, the, the pain was intense. And, Physical and, pain. Yeah and, yeah. and I went through some, some time in the hospital where they were putting some stuff into my veins that, yeah, that made me feel a lot better. Has a tremendous amount of side effects, right? Yeah. Sure. So when it came, I got to get out of this hospital. So I, I lied. So yeah, yeah, no, no, the, the pills you're giving me are working. <laughs> I just wanted to go home. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So you get home, you're like, oh, okay, maybe that was a mistake, right? How am I going to handle this? And yeah. ultimately, he was drawing upon that experience, mm-hmm. meditation practice that, that he taught me. So I'd have some conversations with my doctor about that. And yeah, they, I mean, they were open to whatever would help. Yeah. Right. So that was just like the, beginning of this discussion about kind of integrative medicine and often people times people think it's a it's an integration of traditional medicine and non-traditional medicine and certainly there's a component yeah to that but it's it's so many more things well i love that you just said and we always it seems like we always get a nugget that i have to like re-emphasize and that's that nugget right there that like you were given ways to manage pain more than likely pharmaceutically right and then you got just as much, maybe close to, I don't know, I won't like put it for you, pain relief from doing something that was non-pharmaceutical. Yeah. Correct? Well, we were just talking about pain being a signal to the brain, right? So yes. it's more just about this, you know, entering into a state, a mental state where I could be separate, so to speak, uh, from the pain. Yeah. And that's where we people, I can just tell you, some people's eyes, I say that stuff, their eyes will just glaze over. But you just can't change the fact that that is true. No matter what you say, like, yes, pain is a signal. It's perceived by the brain. If you can find a way to change that signal somehow or not listen to it, you can not be in pain. Like, I think it's no different than when you're in, like, you're running, you're biking, swimming. We've been in wads, you know, and you're in the middle of You're in, like, the the heat of it. Yeah, you're in a lot of pain. And you're like, I am dying. Yeah. And you get to that point where you do one of two things. I can't do this. I've got... 30 miles to go. I've got a hundred more reps and it's that emotional roller coaster of thoughts and you like give into the pain and, or you somehow block it out. You use some sort of strategy and five minutes later you feel better. You've done more work and you just, you ignore the pain. You separate yourself from the pain and it's like, holy crap, I feel better now. Yeah. It's, it's just like any other muscle, your brain, whatever, yes. like we're training can really probably benefit by benefited you through the whole experience training. Yeah you know, like to train that muscle of how to block out pain, right? Like that's, you, you can't deny that it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Pain you can't tell yourself life. it's yeah. not going to be there. Yeah. yeah. Right. There, there's, you there's try to tell yourself it's not going to be there. We all do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been doing this long enough that, you know, there's, there was a little moment, oh, you know, you just convince yourself that the pain isn't there. Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, 
Yeah, but it's there. Yeah. Like that signal is there, right? So yeah, it's a strategy is to address it, really. Yeah. Not even, I don't know if overcoming it is necessarily the, the right Slowly. language, but yeah, what am I going to yeah. do with it? Right. You right. can't overcome it. Like pain will be there. Yeah. Pain is, and I, I want to do a blog about this at some point, like, and I've shared some articles that pain is a necessary and normal part of life. And I feel like, again, culturally, we feel like pain like we need to never be in pain, not emotional pain, not physical pain, like avoid pain at all costs. When actually, if you, there's people who literally can't feel pain. I don't know what the diagnosis is, but like, it's very difficult to go through the world and not feel pain. Like pain is necessary to, it can be very useful. Realigning us, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like obviously they like on a bigger, broader aspect, it realigned you and like what you value and kind of where you were going in life in a way, you know what you I mean? You can't appreciate the other side of it if you don't have pain. You know right. I mean? Can have good without evil, like, yeah, more or less, evil. right? If we're going to simplify it, there. Yeah, yeah. I just definitely think it's a necessary part of life, and I feel like most people don't think it needs to be, or maybe just lose that when like be in pain. Like from a rehab, like my entire job is to get people out of pain. Like that's fine. We have a lot of pain questions, but sometimes just pain. yeah, it's it's <laughs> tough though. It's tough to, to yes. talk to people about that. Uh huh. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, I do like. As far as your like training strategy and like all this integrative medicine, did you have like an influencer besides, you know, somebody who's trained, like who kind of led you into thinking about these kinds of things? You don't just wake up and be like, Hey, I really like integrative mindfulness. And I really like all this really cool stuff. And I'm going to, you know, is there somebody that you kind of grabbed the hold of and said, Hey, this is where I learned this from. So uh, I, I think I've been very blessed in the coach. With the coaches that I've had an opportunity to work with as an athlete and as a coach, and uh, <clears throat> you know, to see a wide range of, of approaches uh, from the very like it doesn't matter who you are, like you do these things and you'll get through your race to the extreme opposite, right? And everything in between. So, um, there, there have been a few pretty significant. Um, coaches that have really influenced me. My, my first triathlon coach who coached me through my first triathlon and very much. So you had respected. a coach even from the beginning. You weren't like, you didn't go get a training plan on your own. You kind of always had that kind of coach. Well, through team and training, you had, you had coaching back then. They've changed, they've changed their model a bit. <clears throat> and uh, the coach that coached team and training in San Diego just happened to be, I mean, he'd done like over 300 triathlons. He was there from the beginning and uh, just an amazing guy. And it was one of the few people, everyone was so, you know, concerned. My doctors were concerned. I talked to my doctors. It's safe for me to do all this. Yeah, da, da, da. Mm -hmm. It's okay. We're going to monitor it. But he was the first person to start talking to me in a different way. About okay, some of the we, stuff we know about. all that. And yeah. I respect what you've been through. But that's not going to dictate where we go from here. And to hear that at that moment in my life. Yeah. Just like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm sort of back to baseline. It's a yeah. different baseline. Like I'm 30 pounds lighter than I used yeah. to be, right? 165 instead of 195, different baseline. Getting rid of like emotional but, baggage yeah, too, right? Okay. We're going we're gonna, to, yeah. we're going to respect that. We're going to address that, but you know, let's look ahead. Where are we going to, where, where are we going to go from here? Yeah. So, you know, even within training plans, people come in and they say, okay, you know, I want to do this Ironman. Why? It's just, I got to do the Ironman. Like that's just, all right. Well, where are we going to go from there? From yeah. this, I just got to accomplish this Ironman. Like, what can we learn? Let's 
keep track of where we are, respect where we've been. Mm-hmm. I don't like the word accept because a lot of people know, oh, I just saw, oh, I'm going to accept it. You know, this is where I am. I accept it. I don't mean it in that way. Mm-hmm. It's like, accept, like, yeah, this is where I am. You can't be anywhere else other than where you are. But then let's look at where we're going to go forward from there. Accepting that you're here now doesn't mean that you will accept still being here in a week or three weeks or four weeks. Right. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. The, mu- <laughs> the mindset is just, it's, it's tough. That's a tough transition for a lot of people to make, yeah. but it's, I feel like it takes those multiple kind of touch points or just like hearing the right message at the right time for you that kind of like maybe yeah. made that shift, you know? I don't, yeah, I don't think I answered your initial question though. Um, as far as, I mean, that's though, uh, as far as the who influenced you, it seems like that guy was a big influencer. Yeah. As far as starting to have that conversation with yourself, like there's more to health than just doctor's care and just running a triathlon, there's more to it. That's, yeah. I think that's pretty powerful. I think, I think too, pretty early on, I recognized that my approach was, was very much going to be, uh, where does where does this really fit into your list of life's priorities? Right? Where is the appropriate place for this? And you're like, and I don't decide that, but identifying that, wow, that creates such a powerful experience for people because so many people come into it and they they think about all the time that they're going to spend doing it, which is time that they won't spend doing the other things that are important in their life. What if we think about it? Yeah, you're going to spend all this time training to achieve this goal. But what if we just change that mindset a little bit and we start looking at, okay, well, then what are you going to do with the time that you are spending in those other areas of your life? Instead of just thinking about all the time that you're not going to be in those areas. Yeah. Right. Okay. Where does this fall? Like we have this whole list of things, uh, family, career, whatever else we have going on in our lives. And, and I find that when people, don't, I don't know if categorize is the right word, but don't align them properly. Really. It's about alignment. Mm-hmm. That's when they run into trouble, right? Like, no, I'm, I'm so focused on doing this. It's like, you can't neglect these other things. Right? You still want to be married after this? Iron yeah. Man? Okay. We got to, we got to take that into yeah. consideration. <laughs> right. You know? Cause you're doing and, a lot of hours of training a week. You, you, you work 60 hours a week. Okay. That's we're gonna have to right. work around this, yeah. And, and ultimately, sometimes it does come down to you know, is this really a realistic goal for you right now? Have you turned down people before, as far as like, hey, you're just not in the right place, or this don't have enough time? Like, yeah, I mean, work I, out? Like, I'm pretty open with people early on that look, not every coach is right for every athlete, and not every athlete is right for every coach. It doesn't mean that I can't train you and design a training plan that can get you through to your goal, but am I the best coach for you? Yeah. You want to get to A to B in the most efficient or effective way possible. Right. And so, yeah, we, we've talked about that. Like, you know, in our, our practices, like sometimes it's just not the right fit, not yeah. the right patient. It's like, yeah, Hey, I think you'd be a really good fit somewhere else who maybe, you know, takes insurance or just has a little bit more different philosophy than I am. Not everybody's going to want to, do heavy squats like I do all the time. You know what I mean? Not that that's the, oh, my only, you know, tactic. That's it. That's, that's it. all I do. <laughs> you post a lot what? of videos of yourself squatting. So. <laughs> doesn't matter what you have. You're Mold squatting. squats. You're squatting. Mold squats cure everything. Okay. okay. Can I just say one yeah, more thing? Yeah, of course, of course. We're going to do Spitfire um, after this. Good. That is a core philosophy, right? For me and my business and my coaching. And I think it's one thing that we've connected on as well is in doing that, you're serving that person. 
right? They may not recognize it at that moment. Like, why won't this guy work with me? Yeah. Like he's doing me a disservice, but no, I'm not the right person for you or you're not the right person for me. I'm doing, and as long as that is at the core, I feel of my business, always serving no matter what that means. And if I'm truly committed to that, you know, the most amazing athlete could come my way and wow, this person could put me on the roadmap and all this. Am I serving that athlete mm-hmm. if I'm not the right coach for them? Or am I just serving myself? And as long as that is at the center, serving the athlete, serving the client, that's really what I'm committed to at the core, then I will be successful. Yeah. Well, and I don't have to coach everybody. I mean, sometimes it takes really hard. Like, I like what you said. Like, I could get a really famous games athlete who wants to come in here and, like, maybe I'm not the right fit and it'd be, like, you know, good time to say no, go somewhere else. Like, sometimes those are very difficult questions to answer, you know, and really peel back the layer and say, is this really serving myself or is it serving, you know? We talk about, I talk about it as creating value. I want to create as much value as I can, but at the same time, it's really just, yeah, it's more serving. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a... it's interesting because like enabling people too is, is I won't go down the path too much, but like sometimes if you continue to coach them and enable them and say, okay, this, this is okay. And you're saying, no, stop. I'm going to say no. And I need to go do something else. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's, that's cool stuff. All right. Spitfire. We're going to go straight into it. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what are you best at? One thing. First thing comes to your mind. Honestly? Yeah. Surviving cancer. There you go. (laughs) Amazing answer. It's a good one. What do you suck at? What are you the worst at? Uh, Time management. Time management. What is your walkout song? I need you to clarify. What's a walkout song? So if you were walking out on stage or like oh. you're about to start your triathlon, everyone's watching you and you like have one song. They announce you, you, you're walking out yeah. to the starting line. What would your song be? Here comes Brad. Yeah. It's got to be one song that resonates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't think of what it. We can come back to it if we need to. It's Rob Zombie. Or is it more human than human? Is that it? I don't know. I gotta look I, it up. I gotta okay. Look it up. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll post it in the show yeah. notes. We'll figure right. it out and we'll post right. it in the show notes for sure. Um, what's your favorite cartoon? Simpsons. Simpsons. Nice good. one. <laughs> Worst car you ever owned? Worst and best at the same time. My first car was an '83 Ford Econoline van, two tone brown on the outside, these custom bench seats on the inside fully carpeted all over. Oh, wow. Right. It was like, you know, my friends were getting these little you know, like sporty cars yeah. and I had this like, <laughs> everybody, everybody knew it. it was handed down my mom to my sisters to me, everybody where I grew up knew that truck. And, uh, and yeah, it served, uh, served me well. That's even awesome. Though, you know, it wasn't necessarily <laughs> the, coolest, the yeah. coolest car that you want. Um, if you weren't like this question, we didn't really get into it, but I'll, I'll digress. If you weren't, a coach, kind of already said it, but if you weren't a coach, what would you be? I'd probably still be in biotech. Biotech, yeah. 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 You, okay. All right. Um, what was the last TV show you watched? Uh, well, I was watching the World Cup over lunch before I came here. This is the best. Every four years. This Every is four my, years. Oh, it's my favorite time. Um, last one, the last book you read. 
I just reread uh, the Power Training Handbook by Joe Friel. Not the most exciting, but yeah, we'll still post. It. You have any like books that you recommend to people as far as for like be really interesting as far as the mindset stuff or like um, uh, those definitely are focused. How does somebody start that journey? You know what I mean? We talk about um, doing uh, Headspace as an app to mm-hmm. start doing some mindfulness Headspace. stuff. Yeah. Calm is a good one too. Yeah, Calm. Calm. Too. I Calm. use Headspace. I haven't used Calm. Though. Okay. Is there a book um, that you'd recommend? I, I or it, it might just be called Moments. I can't remember. Uh, it was about recognizing and creating moments in your life, and that was a recommendation from Brian. Um, and also uh, being associated with that project, um, we read the five dysfunctions of of a team. Of a team. Oh, that's such a good book. Was, you, know, you, you 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 read it and you're kind of like, duh, this is so obvious. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but his writing Why do we is, still do it. <laughs> but his writing is really cool because it's kind of like fable based and like really, you know, what I mean, it's actionable. At the same time, it's very very relatable. He's got like a series of five books like about leadership and about teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have all five, read two out of the five. Um, Beginner's mind from a mindfulness perspective, going into every situation, like you've never been there before. Not pre- like earlier when you asked, you started asking me that question and I thought I already knew, right? I wasn't being very mindful in that moment, right? right? But the beginner's mind really... And, and for athletes, I think this can be a tremendously powerful. Oh yeah, I've done, I've done that race. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be the same thing as it was last year. Really? It's about 20 degrees hotter <laughs> and there's going to be a thunderstorm. Yeah. yeah. Last, last time it was 72 and right. And partly cloudy. And you're a different time in your life. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Go into it with a beginner's mind. Always a new experience. Everything's a new experience. Boom. Great way to end it. All right. Thanks, Brad. Pleasure. See y'all later. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston Podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and our health and human performance clinic, or we do physical therapy and performance training, please go check out madetomovept.com. Again, that's made, the number two, movept.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.